Welcome everybody back to the Plone Podcast. I have with me today Godefroy Chapelle from Belgium. And Godefroy is a longtime Plone community member and contributor. I think you probably, well, you were doing Zope before you did Plone. I did, totally. And I'm very happy to join the podcast and be with the community. Well, wait until the end, then you can say whether you're happy or not. <laughs> because this is all about, you know, gotchas. What is with your email address? Well, gotcha, I mean, got, gotcha. So I thought it was funny to do gotcha. I mean, the, the, the silly jokes like IT people do, which most people don't understand, but I enjoy them. So what kind of... Uh, what kind of uh, IT people jokes have you played on on others? Well, it's it's usually wording like like the the famous GNU is not Unix. This is typically the type of stuff that nobody gets, but that I enjoy. So I don't have an example like this right now. But I I mean we we host students here. And uh, the, the, they live with us and they, they, they share the, the meals with us. And they make fun together because they think my jokes are not funny. I love That's it. it. <laughs> Those are the best jokes. The ones that nobody nobody really approves of. But, you know. And there's down. actually one this year that understand each of them. And I'm very happy that she joined so I don't need to explain her my jokes, and that's a, a lot of pleasure. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the old dad joke phrase, right? Dad jokes. No, that's not really. Thing. I'm playing with words. I'm doing strange, implicit stuff that nobody gets. Yeah, and that's dad jokes. That's, it. that's dad. I, uh, it's maybe dad jokes. I don't know what a dad joke is then. <laughs> it's the kind where your kids just don't appreciate it and they go oh come on and then once in a while they'll get that little smile and you go yes <laughs> okay so then they are definitely that joke and actually grand that jokes <laughs> right i can't believe you told me last year so we saw each other in namur and you told me your okay. grandfather is like what yep i am and she's actually more than 3 now so so we are Getting very old. I was thinking actually that Plone is, I mean, starting with Plone a long time ago is already 20 years, and 20 years in life is really, really a lot, actually. And I was, it was also funny to realize that I was also already pretty old when I started, well, pretty old compared to very young IT developers that are using React every day and enjoying it so much. Which I react upon. Uh, oh, oh. But, oh no! That was a good one. <laughs> so no, no. I, 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 actually, I had never realized that I was already thirty-six when I joined the Plum community a long time ago. So, so that uh, when, when you get older, you don't feel it. I mean, being thirty-six, I was still feeling just like a like a baby inside, and and, and uh, so. Realizing it was uh, so the first actual official meeting with the Plone community was two or three. It was like, whoa, okay, I was already 36, yes. Yep. Wow. And yep. So let's see. What what year? Okay, I'm trying, I'm thinking in my head. I think we're about the same age because I did. I, I'm 67. 
I'm from 1967. Yeah, okay. So I'm 65. From 65. Oh. Yeah. Mm, mm. So I'm not a grandfather. I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't start it young. when you start to have kids, right? <laughs> so when you started, you, you probably, I'm trying to think now. I never asked how old Alan and Alex Leamy were when they when well, they, were, they were much younger than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they must have been between twenty-five and thirty at that time. Yeah, I think they're, they're yeah, maybe closer to twenty-five. I would say. Yeah, that's amazing. But that kind of goes with the idea that um, I remember reading many places that mathematicians do their best work. I think when they're quite young, like before twenty-five, even. So yeah, yeah, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. So. So yes, I, I actually I actually started with Zope long long time ago. That was five years before even, and uh, it's it's sort of a, a long story because I heard of Python before trying it myself when I was still a Windows guy, mm, which cool. I'm very happy having done, and happy I don't need to do ever again. So I learned how shitty uh, a computer environment can be. And I learned what I'm not ready to accept again. But so at that time I was on Windows and, 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 I, and I had no idea how to install Linux myself with 25 floppy disks coming mm. from wherever. And so that's when I heard first from Python something in 96, 97 something. Mm. So at the very beginning of Python, well, very beginning. It was already five years old, but it was still very confidential. Did not look at it at that time, but I had heard that it was really cool. People really enjoyed it. And then Paul came out with his very nice marketing campaign for Zoop when he got when when Zoop Corp got funded by oh I forgot the name of the VC, and and they went uh, around explaining how they would would be doing open source and they they, they were one of the first open source official startup. And at that time, I had been moving from Visual Basic to Delphi. And uh, the main difference between Visual Basic and Delphi was that with Delphi, you actually had the code or some code. And that made me realize how much more empowered I was if there was something that was not working, mm. In the sense that I could read the code, if I was not able to solve it, I could at least build workarounds. And so even though open source is totally aligned in terms of my political views forever, I came from the very pragmatic side, like having been forced to do Visual Basic and spending hours fighting that shitty stuff, <laughs> then moving to Delphi and feeling empowered much more, which meant that when I saw Zoop and was able to actually read the code, start to make sense of it, even if it was a lot of code and I could not understand everything right away, that that felt even much more empowering. Uh, That's the English word. Sorry for my English. And so I was really on. I I, I was on board very very quickly. Very very quickly. Then made my I made the first member of the Zoom community somewhere in two hundred one. Then had quite a nervous breakdown, and that was not really good. Then I actually met Jim and, and 
And Paul had the first Europython in Belgium, so that was in 2002. A Belgian, Denis Frère, had organized all that stuff, and that, that was such a chance to meet them, to, so to meet Paul and Jim. And it was also the time where actually Alan and Alex met for the first time in real life. They had been really? working on playing huh. through the web. Uh, and so they met during that meeting. I had no idea of what was going around, obviously, especially that I was getting out of my nervous breakdown. I had no realization of what was going on. But that was really, really good. There was a Zopri sprint at that time where, where I actually spent a very good time. That feels like speaking like old monkeys, you know, the good old times. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I mean, this is what this, I love hearing these stories because that was a time before I, I got involved and before I even knew what was going on with soap and then plone. So I love it. So, so it, was, it was really, really good. I was lucky enough to play with Holger Krakel, if you know his name. Holger is the, he's the, the first author of PyTest. He was also working on uh, talks. I mean, and he was present at that sprint and we paired on some weird stuff for the Zope, for the Zope 3 code. And that was such an enjoyable moment to the two days of sprint. That, that was really a founding uh, experience, actually, being able to share code with people that were obviously much better than I was, learning, 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 learning. That was so, that, that, that's so much. And I must say, I, uh, in, mo in most places today where they do hackathons with some sort of competition, I don't feel like it at all because there's... I mean, I, I think it's sad. Instead of having this very explicit cooperative uh, moment where, where actually, in my opinion, you should not come with a computer. That way you are forced to work with someone else. Ah, ah. <laughs> Good idea. Uh, but no, no that, that was so enjoyable, because, especially that I was, obviously, I was still on Windows at that time. I was slowly building my knowledge. But as soon as I, as I joined the actual open source community by, by going to those sprints and seeing some people using Emacs, other using Vim and, and totally juggling with their terminals. Uh, at that time, it was, I don't, yeah, it was already SVN. I think it was the very beginning of, I'm not sure actually. Um, I think my first commit might have been CVS. So that oh. was very frightening. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I should check. Anyway, that, that was so much, so much, so much better. And then what happened after was another Zopti sprint in, in Rotterdam where I was lucky enough to pair with, with Paul. So that was a lot of, a lot of fun. We were, work, we, but we were doing JavaScript. That was less fun, but we were trying to build ah. UI for Zopti in JS. That was so. so that was yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Sure. What? At the time of the the first access XML HTTP request stuff, like it was no, no. That's that's what that was. And then what? What was really crazy and where I really did not realize is that Paul convinced me to go for a, for a sprint in Paris, mm. and. That sprint was Alex, Alan, Sidney da Silva, Dreamcatcher, 
and me. So the four of us. Wow. And I should just interrupt. Again, that, that you're talking about Paul Everett because more recent Plone community members will know Paul Roland. But yes, we're talking about Paul Everett. That's a very good point. Paul Everett has, ha, I mean, anyway, people have to know about Paul Everett because he has been such an important person, both in the Python world, I should say both throws, if, if that if that is existing in English, in the Python world, in the Zone world, and in the Plone world, as organizing people and, 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 and putting people together and, and, and uh, supporting people that were lacking confidence like me and so on, that's I mean, Plone would not be what it is without without all the the stuff that Paul did behind the scenes. I think uh, it it's easy to forget about that, but because because he does not have that many commits, even though he has some, we forget how much work he did, like supporting the. But maybe it's a, it's a, it's a common theme in the in in the in the Plone community that then you replace one poll by another one that's also <laughs> doing a lot of support work without committing much code. Well, so it's like the, the new the new Godefroy, right? I mean, nobody really knows you, but they know the new Godefroy. <laughs> I'm kidding. There isn't a new one. There will never be another no. Godefroy. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't want one, another shouting Belgian, as I used to say. <laughs> well, uh, so what you were talking about, though, uh, like Paul Paul Everett not having a lot of commits. Um, that's interesting because I think that's one of the things that I like about the Plone community, that it's not all, about, not all about the code, but there are other ways that people contribute to the community or to the project that are around the code, like documentation or ideas or brainstorming or business. And make people meet and... Speak to people so that you know who is interested in what, and then make them make them make them talk. Because a lot of IT people are a bit autistic, and they know how to speak to the computer, but sometimes they don't need to how to speak to each other. So having people that actually put oil in this of, is extremely important. So no, no, there are there are a lot of roles in an open source uh, community. What I also realized very slowly, it took me a very lot of long time because Plone was my first open source community, is how unique the Plone community is in one sense, that there has not been a big, um, how to say, company or person pulling the, the, the project. Plone has been since the very beginning uh, the, the playground of many, many people, many companies with very different use cases. With, uh, uh, I guess that's it's due to the effort that was done very soon about uh, internationalization and localization that was extremely early, if we think of it, having that many languages in 203, 204, that was totally not usual at that time. So I guess that was one of the reasons. But the fact that we had so many uh, SMEs uh, working together on, even if it sometimes was on bigger project, I think that has been a very specific point of the, the Plone community. And that's maybe not that easy to reproduce. And, and to do and, and to do in, in another community because most community that I know have one company pulling everybody with a with set of, com, of of contributors or in some cases when there are smaller tools there's one main contributor and then a myriad of contributors around but 
the way the way Plone built its stuff has been very very different from from I mean at least I don't know other communities that that did something similar. Yeah, I haven't encountered one either. It's it's a very I well I think it's idealistic, but it's egalitarian. I, I think it's it's a beautiful way to structure a community or to not structure a community. Uh, what I also think is that it's it's a reflection of the type of people that were both. Uh, I, I should not say both. I don't know how you say in English when you want to say more than two people. Anyway, so so if you think of Guido on one hand, who's an extremely nice guy and that has gathered nice people around him and egalitarian and so on. And then in the same way, Jim, in my opinion, totally humble, very nice, totally open to collaboration, offering his his work to anyone. The same with Paul, the same with Alex and Alan. Alex and Alan has been totally key in that, in that regard, being able, I mean, opening their code. Well, what I'm trying to say here is that the culture of those people turns into software because you get, so, so to make it very clear what I'm trying to say, uh, Guido being an empathetic person make a language that's actually empathetic. Is that, is that a word empathetic in empathetic? English? Yes, yes, yes. And, and so here you're talking about Guido van Rossum. I'm thinking, speaking of Guido van Rossum, Mr. Python. And what I'm trying to say is that, and that only old monkeys can say that, is that I, I realize more and more how the personality of the founders of a community have very deep impact, not only on the people that you meet there, but also on technical stuff, on how, how people do organize. And it ripples in a lot of aspects of the, the, the of the artifacts in, in plural built by the community. And to, to me, and to come back to what I was trying to explain, the fact that we use ZCML that so many people hate, but what the, the ZCML and component architecture, what it, what it enables is to keep a lot of SMEs that have their various custom clone sites that do not need to agree on a, every piece of every line of the code. If, and that, and so, and so in a way, the technical parts are, have been built so that people could disagree. <laughs> and so that's enabled. No, no, but that, I think it's something very important. And, and in the same way, the fact that you can monkey patch in Python means that if you disagree with someone, you can still turn around and you don't have to fight. So you, so people can, 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 can keep friendly relationships because the technical as, uh, aspects don't force them to fight. And more than that, by choosing tools that enables this type of comportment, then I think you generate this type of communities. And I think that my opinion is that it's a bit sad, but we are getting old and the Plone community is slowly shrinking. The world has changed in some reason. It's not that much exciting for young people to join an old code base in Python. I don't know if we will ever be able to do it again. That's maybe why we have so much success in Volto today, because today young people want to do, they want to build from scratch. And so that's what they were able to do in Volto. And we'll see how long that will, that will last. 
But whatever other community you, you'll be part of, I think that checking those, those, those personality aspects should be very interesting for you, whoever coder you are or documenter or user, Pay attention to to all those human details when you when you select uh, a tool because if you use a tool that's being built by someone that's rude, intolerant, it will show up in his code in a way or another. And if it's not in his code, it will be in the code of someone else that's working with him. And and so at a moment or another, that will have an impact on your way of using stuff. And and. And, and to reflect on this again, if you think how Linus Torvalds from Linux was eventually able to apologize publicly for that many years where he was not that friendly on mailing lists and so on, I have an immense ad- admiration for, for, for people being able to do that, especially when, when you are in the projectors like he has been, and eventually making jokes You'll tell me if I'm right. Does Git mean I'm a Git? Is that is that a proper understanding, or is like, that or is that? I I've never I've never really known what the origin of the name was, but a Git is like somebody. It's it's a derogatory term for someone, and it can mean so yourself. I I think he made that joke on purpose. Okay. I think that, that I, 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 that's my understanding. But okay, so I so it could make sense. Actually. Yeah. yeah. That that was my understanding, and 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 so so being able to say, yeah, I was wrong to behave like like this, and so I I'll be very open from now on to improving the UI of Git, so that when you make a you a Git command, you are su- you suddenly get suggestions of what could be your next step, which did not exist at all in the beginning, if you remember. I don't, I'm not aware that Linux built those stuff himself, but Git has evolved. If you remember how mm-hmm. Git was in the beginning, it was crazily hard to 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 use. And and so so I insist on this because in the end IT is supposed to make people work together and not to what we are seeing everywhere being the tool of controlling people that want to check to keep you in well, I, I can say something else. Keep you in control. Uh, I think th- that's not the type of IT I want to support. And by selecting the proper tools, that already has an influence, in my opinion. Very long gotcha ranting. Very typical oh, long gotcha ranting. Great. No, this is great. I I I appreciate the the way that you've extrapolated the culture that derives from a person. And I've always thought that in a company. In an organization, the the culture of the company or the organization is driven really by the people you know at the top, because they just repeat that through their behaviors or what they say or what they produce, and they just surround themselves in the end with people who are similar. I would nuance. I would really say it's not only the people at the top; it's mainly the founders, mm-hmm. because you you will attract people that like to work with that founder that appreciate his. His uh, strong points. Do you say his qualities or is that friend? Yeah, his qualities. Yeah, qualities. And so, and and so, you build a culture with the the, the the first people in an institution that usually stick for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that has been a way for me uh, uh, to watch institutions 
outside IT as well, for instance, it's very obvious that the train, the train company in Belgium is still sitting on its monopoly from the 19th century. They don't plan to listen to their users. They are obviously the mammoth, the mammoth, at least they still think they are the mammoth institution that everybody depends on. They did not realize that actually people bought cars since then and that we, we made roads. So no, 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 no. They don't know about that. They don't know. And, and that's the only explanation I find because I go to Japan where we, where we met, uh, well, I mean, that's a fond memory, that, that, that conversation we had on the top of the Microsoft Tower there uh, on the top of Tokyo. Uh, if you go to, to Japan, the trains are going very well. You can see a lot of innovation they had, and that could be applied in Belgium, in France, in, but they are not applied. And so I need an explanation. I can't accept that all those people are bad faith. And the only reason I see is that they are so sure of their stuff that they are not even opening their minds. They don't even need to check the innovation that's, that's being played elsewhere, right? See, I mean, the train in Belgium were the first on the continent, the second after UK. So obviously, who will teach you a lesson, right? <laughs> And so, so that's another example, and I think, uh, and 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 it's it also has uh, makes me think that if an institution is broken, according to me, broken is not something objective, right? Obviously, in some cases it is, but in in most cases it's a question of 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 of, of point of view. If an institution is broken, there's no way you'll you'll change it from inside. Because it has attracted so many people that are mm-hmm. as broken as, as the as the institution, at least once again, from my point of view, I'm not trying that anymore. If an institution is broken, I'm leaving and I'm trying to do something else. Mm. And that's really a founding uh, thought for me today. I'm not trying to change things from the inside. That's just useless. Mm. So many, because I can give another, another example. I bought a new Mac a few a few months ago, and just because I needed I needed more more CPU for my virtual machines, so I bought a new Mac. It happens that I'm also a singer in a choir, and so I have to listen to music to rehearse. And so I, I start to play that music on my new Mac, and I'm just blown away by the quality of the song. So my Mac, the, my old Mac is seven years old, and in seven years, the new computer, I'm just so surprised by by the rendering of the music. So why would they do that? Why would I mean? Why would they? Would they should do the same way as does Microsoft and Dell, just good enough, <laughs> just good enough to keep the market? Why would you try to provide quality? That's such a strange idea. Except it's the idea of Mr. Jobs since the beginning. And so this culture is keeping. It's still there. It will eventually dilute because the guy is now dead since almost 10 years, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it was sad and so on. But, but still, I'm buying this that new computer that I want to use for my shell and my, and my, and my vim and so on. And I'm blown away by the song. And on the opposite, I'm in a car that my wife uses where it's Microsoft software 
And one time on two, when I start that car, after one or two minutes, I'm driving, silently driving. And suddenly, the radio starts to shout, but literally to shout. Because it took two minutes, for whatever reason, for the radio to decide that, yes, I turned off the, I turned off the machine with the podcast, being listening to a podcast with a high volume. And so it takes two minutes. And suddenly they said, oh, the radio should, should be on. Except it uses the last volume and I'm driving currently. And I'm almost making a car accident. And it's now five years. I have not been able to understand how to avoid that totally crazy bug. Because this is obviously a bug. But, and now to go to the end of my, of my explanation about institutions, let's imagine that you are attracted by quality. But you don't know anything, and you are for a, a, a job at Microsoft. You get you get in the in the in the word. Uh, I mean, in the office team. How many months will you stay? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have two choices, or you totally downgrade your quality uh, uh, demand, or yes, you move. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. It's one or the other. There's no intermediate because. It's so big. How can a single guy change the full, the full, uh, the, the full culture of the, 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 the office team, office department, or even what? I don't know the name in Microsoft. And then that guy will do what if he's attracted by quality? Maybe he'll find a job at Apple, and there he'll flourish and he'll provide to produce good stuff. And it's not because. Microsoft, blah, 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 or Apple, blah, blah, blah. It happens, in my opinion, that the main difference with between a guy that's a, the best crook ever, Mr. Bill Gates, that signed a global contract for software that he doesn't, even does not have, that's one hand, which <laughs> is genius, I agree. I mean, if you're attracted by money, you can only be a admirative of the ability to sign such a contract with IBM back in 82, 83, 84, I don't know exactly. So that's one side. Or you have Mr. Jobs that's annoying his own employees because the motherboard is not nice enough and he makes them redraw it again because it's not beautiful enough. And and so those two difference means that the, 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 the product that you get from those institutions are so, so different. And that's true as well. Actually, I started this whole trip. Uh, it's a fun story. It was some people I met at a Plone event that were coming from the JavaScript community. Mm. And they were saying, oh, it's so surprising here. People are nice. And I was like, wow. what do you mean people are nice? Sure, people are nice. What, what do you mean? Because obviously, in the, in the Python community and in the Plone community, at least until now, I met only very nice people. And those people were so surprised. And were asking, but what do you mean? They said, well, if you go at a JavaScript conference, you'll find a lot of people that are not that nice. And I was like, huh? And that's when I started to think on those aspects. So it was actually triggered by a JavaScripter. But that's so true. That's that I've, I feel like I say this a lot, but that's the reason why I'm in the Plone community. That's why I got into the Plone community. Instead of just consuming the software, I started meeting people and going, Oh my gosh, they're so smart and they're so nice and they're welcoming. Totally. And most of them are extremely humble about, as well. 
which which helps for being kind. Yeah. It's kind of strange how humble they are, really. And I guess that's the imposter syndrome. Well, it's knowing exactly your own limits. Having some sort of, uh, what do you say that? I don't find the word. Lucidity? Yeah. A self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, lucidity is French, maybe. No, it's, it's, it's both. Those are the, the most difficult words for me because I, the words that come right away out of French, I don't dare them very often. Well, then, that's surprising. Why would you, why would French words come to you first? <laughs> no, 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 no. What I mean is that some English words come from French mm-hmm. because of Will, William the Conqueror uh, back in yes. 1066 and, 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 the, and the, the French inf- uh, influence on, on, U, uh, on UK at that time, which was not even UK. And so you have, uh, and so there are a lot of words in English that are just coming from French. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that I really often, I'm like, huh, is it actually a word in English? <laughs> just go ahead and use it. And then it'll become a new word in English. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. At the beginning, you were talking, and by the way, so you were talking about Jim, and we should say it's Jim Fulton, right, of Zope Corporation. And uh, you were saying that you went to the sprints in Belgium, like the first in-person meeting of Alan Runyon and Alex Lamy. So does that mean that Zope is where Plone got its idea for sprints? Is, is it an origination? Uh, that, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, so it's so it was started for the Zob three sprints. So the, the first sprints were made for for Zob three. So that I remember when uh, so uh, when they started to organize those. So so some uh, so some young German guys uh, went to US. So the first sprints were were I think in Frederick Frederick Frederiksberg, sorry, hard yeah. to pronounce, many hours, and and then and then pretty soon it was, yeah, some of them happened in, in Germany as well, yeah, 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 I remember that, yeah, because the Zob community was quite big, pretty soon in Germany, so so there were there were, I'm speaking of Zob two at that time, right, not Zob three, uh, but then for the Zob three efforts, a lot of it was done uh, via sprints, and so sure. Uh, the the they got it from 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 Zob three actually yeah I remember no no because this Rotterdam sprint I was mentioning the one where I was where I was um, sprinting with Paul there were uh, uh, Sydney was there I think yeah that, that, that was it who else was there I don't remember if Alan had come for that one. Huh. Kapil was maybe around, if I remember oh, yeah. well. So, no, no, there, there were quite some planistas for that Zob 3 sprint because, I mean, it was not clear if, if Zob 2 would live that long. It was, it's, that's something that's tough to understand again. I mean, that's another thing that, that, that I really enjoyed and that I got from the Python community. What's his name? Brandon, Brandon Craig Rhodes. Oh, yeah. He's, he is uh, he is a university professor, if I'm correct. And among other stuff, he teaches coding, or he 
I could be wrong. But anyway, he made a very, very, very long blog post a long, a long time ago where he was pointing the fact that it was a huge mistake to teach IT the way we do, which is opening an empty editor and asking people to start to code. His idea was actually when you learn poetry, you are not being put in front of a white paper and start and being asked to start to, to write poetry from the first from the first day. You first read a lot of it so that you can realize what poetry is, and in that sense, after you might be able to produce some poetry later. And so he that very long blog post was uh, uh, suggesting to actually use a very good piece of software already somewhere in a in a in a uh, repository, hopefully with some CI, and introduce artificially an, an obvious bug in it that would be done by the professor. And then giving that to the students so that they would be, one, in contact with beautiful code, well thought, well written, and so on, and with all the tools at the same time so that they could learn the code where it should exist, which is not in an empty editor, but actually in an existing system where you have already CI and, and, and code review, uh, how do you say that? Uh, code versioning, that's the word I was looking for. And so I thought that was extremely, extremely smart. And, and, uh, I think if we go back to what I was saying about, um, about React and Volto, the fact that young people want to write from scratch, I think this is really something we need to change because being able to learn good code, being able to propose refactoring in good code has, in my opinion, even more value because each time you write new code, you add new bugs. And the more code I write, the, the, the less good I feel because even if I have written all my unit tests and so on, there are a lot of bugs in the sense of all the things I did not think about when I bought, when I built that code. But if you have useful code and well-written code that's evolving for a long time, it's actually the summary or the reproducible knowledge of dozens of people. And that has so much more value in the long term than this dry stuff I did build by myself alone. It's true that some very good people, one on 100 developers, are able to produce genius stuff from scratch and from nobody. But usually it's not from the very first day because they've seen other good code first anyway. And like I say, then you, 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 then you don't need to be taught what it is to be Pythonist. I mean, to, to, to be Pythonic. You don't need to be taught what it is to be rustish. You don't need to be taught what it is to be doish. I don't know. You read go first. You read go, go, and you read it again and again and again. You see a good patterns. You see what you should not do and so on. And so I think this is really, that's what I started to learn, actually. I never thought about that. But by going to those sprints and doing pair programming, that's what I was forced to do. I was forced to read someone else's code, which I never did before, because like anybody, I thought that being an IT guy was writing new code in an empty editor, which is far, um, which is less than optimal. Let's say this one. I just finished publishing this morning the Plone Conference 2023 Sprint Overview, the, the Sprint Report. 
And one of the things that is in that in that report is the idea that as certainly, especially at the conference sprints, the idea is to is to not just work on your own. It's really important to work with someone else because that's how you you become acquainted if you're if you're new to Plone. You become acquainted with the Plone culture, the Plone way of doing things, the Plone tooling, the processes, and and the the people, and and that idea of having to pair with someone is inherently important in Plone conference sprints and in other sprints too, but certainly, especially in the conference ones. So that's still there. Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. It's still there. It's it, it's a bit tough. I I, I would say that I, I would. Try to enforce it a bit more. I would be more, uh, more pushy. But then it's blown. It's blown. So you're still free. So if you decide to work by yourself at, at a sprint, it's fine. I think you are losing a lot of the the, the value you could get of that uh, of being there. But nobody will force you. That that's that's great. That's that's one of the idea of open source, by the way. And like I said. The component registry and the com- and, and the component architecture enable you to disagree when you want to disagree. So it's very <laughs> fine. It's very very fine. What I'm hearing, Godfrey, is that you are volunteering to be the next sprint leader. If I'm wrong, <laughs> why not? You just need to avoid what happened this year, which was totally impossible to resist. So I was during the plan conference, which I did not come to. I was actually at a, a, a Nix Bitcoin conference. So uh-huh. having the combination of Nix and Bitcoin was just Uh-oh. impossible to resist. I, I was told that I should not talk to you about Bitcoin. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't. I was just, uh, I was. But, oh, but by the way, Nix, Nix is, is, I mean, as you know, a lot of people in the Nix community come from the Plume community, or maybe you don't know. Yes. Or I people do. that. Or people that escaped from the Plone community, let's say this way. So that's that's uh, Rod Garbus, uh, Domaine Cozar. Um, yeah. Domaine Cozar, Jean-François Roche, ah. who's also in Nix. Uh, who else? There's, there's a third one. Uh, Florian, uh, what what's his name? I forgot. Uh, from Germany, I forget his uh, his last name does not come. I mean, mm. there are quite... There are, and, it actually makes total sense, but because one of the things that used to be the case, I don't know how it is now in the Plone community, but with build out, we started that community, that, that, that process of making reproducible stuff that I think that was totally foundational in the Plone community to make, to make people work together, to be able to set up uh, development environments, even if that, if it was very poor and if it was not perfect and it had a lot of failures. Once you are able to play with Nix, which is unfortunately not that easy, you get what you get with 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 build out in I mean in three orders of magnitude. Mm. When you see what Nix people are able to do, it's just mind blowing. It's it's really mind blowing, and and I can the more I'm studying it, I've been lazy for ten years trying to to learn about it, and and. Coming to it and then saying, "Oh no, I can't do that. It's too tough." Well, this time I'm totally decided, and I'm and I'm not quitting any, any anymore. But it, the, the developer experience itself, it, it has to be. I mean, if there is some sense of uh, of 
what was the word I was using for Guido? Uh, compassion, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, being empathetic, yeah? If there's some sense of this in Python, there's none in in, in Nix. There's just none. It's, 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 it's done by people that are too smart and that can keep too many things in their, in their working memory. And so they don't realize that normal mortals cannot follow that. And so I don't know if it's even possible to, to, to make that evolve, but, but, but the results they get once it's working, it's just mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And I don't know if you know of Nick's package. You know no. what Nick's package is? So Nick's package is actually the, 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 the repository where they store the code for installing packages. But they are, they have something like three or four, four packages more than Debian, which is already the biggest, uh, the biggest, uh, distribution. And that, so one, they, so they have around 80,000 packages that are in that, in that next package stuff. And more than that, most of them are very, very fresh. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, once it's working, being able, I mean, moving it slow, I mean, evolving it slowly and so on, it's like, incredibly easy and so you see once there's a new release of a, of a new package you don't need to wait a long time before it's available and being installable installable by nice but mm-hmm. the, the developer experience is really a hell it's a hell <laughs> especially in the in the context of python because python is really bad and i think we underestimate totally how the python packaging story is Really bad, and not, and still not improving. Still not improving. If as soon as you you need to install anything a bit strange, whoa! <laughs> I was I'm going to poke fun at you. It's better than build out was. What is better than build out? The ba- the packaging story? Yeah, the pip. <laughs> but the problem is, pip is not enough. You need more to install things. It's okay. We don't we really need to do it. <laughs> I was just we, teasing we, you. We really need more. No, but I, I mean, we don't need to argue. But I think the problem is that old people like me, I can I can do build, I can do pip. We don't realize because we don't use enough tools that really work. What it would be to not be annoyed by our tools again and again and again. And there's a new release of set of, set of tools, boom, problems again. And there's a new release of pip, new problems. I mean, mm-hmm. this is totally usual for us. And I would argue we accept it the same way as teams that don't have tests. They are used to their code breaking and it's fine. And yeah, well, when there's a new bug, they just fix it. Why, why would they write tests? I mean, it's useless, right? <laughs> as you know, as you and I know, once we have tests, we don't want to go back. Very, mm-hmm. That's very obvious. And I think that once you have a, a really working package manager and a really work, uh, and something that really makes it reproducible in, in the good sense, in the sense that you can, Deploy it in the same way on your production machine and on your, and on, and, and on, and, and on, then on your development machine. Don't tell me Docker does that. It does not. Because unless you have this sacred image that you never touch and hopefully your 
collaborator does not need to do a small change because then you'll get a new EP to get update and you get a new set of all the packages. And no, it's not the same software anymore. Even though you thought it was the same software, it's not. And if you are very lucky and if you do only very high level Python, you will have no issues. But if you do real production, in the end, this new libc, this new zlib, this new whatever will bite you in the ass. And no, Docker is not a solution for that. But is Nix a solution for that? Uh, if the developer experience was not that bad, yes. Yeah. I I don't know if you know Mr. Hashimoto, the guy of Hashiko. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know him, but I've I've heard of him. So he he is, in my opinion, one of the best developers we have around today. He was the, the he was the, the author of Vagrant. He was the, he's the original author of Console Terraform. I mean, a lot of tools that are used by the by the DevOps people, and he is someone extremely humble in the sense that. He built his company to make it big enough to get a CEO. He was a CEO for a long time. Then he stepped down saying, you need someone else to bring it public. And then so he stepped down from CEO to CTO. And after a while, he stepped down from CTO to normal developer in his own company, where he's still one of the main shareholders. So like Linus, uh, someone that I've, that's again, really humble and, and being able to do stuff that most people are unable to do. If they are CEO, it's for life. And they will, even though if they get, even though they get other limits, they won't recognize it and they will keep doing the same mistake again and again. So people are able to do this type of thing are really impressive to me. Anyway, why am I, why am I mentioning that now? He is a Nixer. He, he came into Nix and I was, Listening to an interview he was doing about his development environment recently, and at the, at the end of this interview, the guy was asking him, what would you change in your development environment if you could with a magic wand? And he thought a few seconds, and then he said, well, I would make Nix simpler so that I could use it with my collaborators. And so that tells you a lot. That tells you a lot. It's it's frightening because he's really advertising needs. He's using it every day. He is pushing for the use of it and so on because the, the end result when you have tamed the beast are so incredible, literally so incredible. But like I said, the DX is really annoying. But but really once once you once you install, I mean, once the community works around it, uh being able to install all your tools in a reproducible way is really work. It's really, really work. Yeah. And, you know, they, they go even that far that some guys are actually rebuilding their full laptop each time they start. Wow. So, so it's, so this way it's totally reproducible and they are not storing state in the laptop, which is actually what we want. Because each time we store states, that's when we get lost, right? That, that that's that's really where we have, we are annoyed. We stop running build up because it's too slow. We stop running pip because it's too slow. We start to 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 store state somewhere in a. We we change a file we should not have changed. We we make a few clicks in the zodb once again because it will be quicker. Blah blah blah. And then we get into this totally not reproducible state. And by the way, we, that's what one of the things I really enjoyed about Build is that I started to do, oh, I have no control of that stuff anymore. 
I delete everything, do a, do a new checkout, run build out, and I'm gone. I'm doing it again. So the, 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 and there's nothing specific about build out here. It's just a tool that enables you to start from a known good set to make mm-hmm. something we all know about. Yes. Well, <laughs> old people, old clone people. Yeah. That's sad. That's sad. But the new blown people, they don't do blown anymore. They do Volto anyway. So that's not blown. Well, you know, you can't, you can't blame them. Here's the way I see it. They are standing on the shoulders of this beautiful, stable, long-term platform, which is Plone. And they're building a fancier front end that attracts new developers and brings new life into the Plone integration and customization community. So I think they're, they're doing both. They're, they're paying Plone a compliment, Plone and Zoop, but they're also bring in new life. My, I was st- sad of what I saw last year when doing the React, tra- the, the, the Volto and React training. I mean, I had not realized that we were, that Volto was throwing JSON into, into Plone. Uh, I'm still not, I'm still not okay with this. I mean, I think we lo- we, we lose a lot of, a lot of stuff with that, but fine. It's because I'm an old monkey. It's still evolving. I mean, every every year, I I listen to the talks and I hear about new ways of doing things in Volto that are just improving. So, yeah. I hope they eventually get to actual Python objects again, because using the ZODB to store to store JSON inside feels not correct. But I mean, you could already argue that using the ZODB could be a weakness of of Zopin, of, of Zopin away. So storing JSON inside it is piling up strange stuff in my opinion. <laughs> so something I wanted to, to ask you about is um, what what kind of background did you have when you started doing SOAP, when you learned about SOAP? Well, you, you already told a little bit about how you were doing Windows and then Delphi. So, so I should say, so... So that, that brings me 40 years ago, actually, when I started to, to, to program. Just for the fun at that time, I would take the subway to go to a shop where there was a VIC 20 of Commodore. I would input my, input my software for the, the Wednesday afternoon. And at that time, it was not even possible to save it. So I would write it down on paper and then go back at the end of the day to my home. And the next Wednesday, I would go back and improve the software. So that's just, that's just for the fun. But importantly, I'm, I'm saying this because I think it explains that I learned IT all by myself, which I think it's a big problem because it means I, I lacked a lot of good education. I'm not sure I would have got it in, in, in university, but I still lack a lot, uh, a lot of, uh, IT education. And to take a small, uh, to do a small digression, I think it's a huge problem in the IT community since a lot of time in the sense that most people are in the same, are coming from the same place as me, where most people don't have actual formal education. And, and, and the problem with this is that there's a lot of good practices that are not handle, handled over to the next generation. 
And there's no question of making people uh, guilty about this. There are not, compared to how many new people get in the IT community, compared to how many old people you have, it's impossible to transmit them. But I still think that's something we should know about, the fact that most people have not been mentored properly. And it was my case. So to go back to your question, I so I learned to, to program that by, by myself. Then I went into electrical engineering study that I had, as a very, very good autistic person, I had decided that I would be an electrical engineer at 12 years old. So even though I was a lot in programming and enjoyed it a lot, I did not change my mind and I went into electrical engineering, which I eventually graduated, but never, ever practiced in my life after. So <laughs> that's, that's a funny story. Anyway, uh, so, Eventually, I went to Japan uh, for uh, for for a scholarship uh, doing the once again it's the, the old monkey. I was simulating neural networks in C uh, back in that day in a Japanese university to try to to reproduce and to drive the fermentation of beer. So that's that that was that was really. But again, that's again a place where nobody knew how to program. So I had some knowledge by having done my end of study thesis around neural networks at that time. But again, without anyone telling me how to do it. And so again, I was in that first job in, in Japan with nobody able to tell me the mistakes I was doing. And me not very able to ask if I was making mistakes so that did not help either. Then when I came back from Japan, I went, uh, the employment was really low in, in Belgium at that time. And so that's how I eventually got into an IT job because I, re I realized that those people were looking. So it was already a time where IT people were, were, were not that many. And because I had learned to program by myself, obviously I could fit pretty, pretty soon. And as we all know, if we, if we do just, I mean, some, some coding can be really silly. And so if you have, and if you have some idea of how to use a syntax of, of, of a programming language, it can be useful or seem to be useful for a while. So that was my first thing in, in Visual Basic. Then I promised myself it would not happen to me again because it had been such a hell. Uh, the, the, the visual basic uh, experiment. So, so I went, then as I said, I went to Delphi and in Delphi I made my first uh, web software. Oh. So I, I had been uh, hired to do, uh, to do desktop computer, but they realized that they, so that, that's 96 and that's the beginning of the, the dynamic, dynamic web, at least in Belgium. So we were building one of the, the first the, the, the dynamic websites in, in Belgium at that time. And so I did what everybody does in the context that I was just said, which is I was alone. So I was reading HTML. I understood that you could produce HTML on the fly. That was it. So what did I do? I created my own templating language. That's normal, right? That's what you should do. And then we built a whole, a whole application and then eventually realized, hmm, we might want to secure that application. But once the application is written and you have done any security before, then it's a big deal. 
-hmm. It's actually pretty annoying to try to add security after <laughs> as you might know. So that was the main selling point actually for me of Zoop. When I saw Zoop, the fact that security was built in so deeply from the very beginning, the fact that any call to a method could be protected or public and you had to be explicit about it, that was just like, wow, mind-blowing. That was, that was really mind-blowing. And I think that in a lot of... I, I think we, we, we don't understand how blessed we were to, to, to work in such an environment because in most places, people have to rebuild security from scratch. Which is which is not a big deal if you have two forms and 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 and, and that's it. But if you build an application such as Chrome, then that's another story. Did I answer your question? Yes, you did. And and it's I'm just thinking about what you're you're saying about having to rebuild. Everybody builds their own, and it is a shame. It's it's a lot of wasted time. It's a lot of it's a lot of lost opportunity to just stand on the shoulders of giants. So people who've come before you have refined code for t five, 10, 20 years. Why not use that? And there's always like this attraction that we have to new things, a new, a new open field for us. Cause that's, I guess that's the problem, right? We appreciate I, I think good it's code, not the only but... problem. I think it's not the only problem. I think also that because this IT is that young, we don't know how important it is for Python to be easy to read. Guido happened to make it that way, but as, as, a, as an IT community, you still have a lot of people that argue on the fact that the language should be easy to read because they can manage. Like I said, the next people, they manage 10 level of indentation like if it's normal. I can't read 10 level of curly braces. I'm sorry. I can't. My brain does not does not work with that. I'm sure they do, obviously, because they debug it, they make it work, and so on. But I'm not able to do that. And so, um, what, what I was trying to say is that in the, the tools we use are not meant enough for collaboration, in my opinion. We are only starting now to understand that. And where I see a light of hope today is, in my opinion, in the Rust community. I've been following the Rust community a lot. I'm still not doing Rust myself, but I'm, I mean, I've been, I've been playing with it. I've produced some Rust and so on, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a recession. But I've tried to understand what they are doing and, and, and look at what they are doing. And I will give one example. I guess you know Rust. Do you know Rust? Are you FF? Only a little bit. Only a little bit. I think we should definitely switch to rough. We have to get rid of black. We have to get rid of pilot. We have to get rid of all those tools because rough goes literally 1000 times quicker. Mm. And which means that you have no excuse to not run in your linter. You have no excuse to not run in your formatter and so on because no, it's working. If you're waiting, like I was some. I think on Django, it was, they were actually, when they were linting, it was in the terms of minutes, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, you have good excuse to not do it. So, 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 so I was watching Ruff. And why am I mentioning Ruff now? It's because I was blown away at the speed at which they did integrate all those rules coming from the myriad of linting tools that existed in Python. And my understanding is today 
that they're able to do that because they have a proper typing system, which forces you to good, to build good contracts, which means that as a newcomer, you know exactly what you need to build if you want to add a new rule. And not only you know it, but the compiler will enforce it, which is the most important part of what I'm saying. So you see good code, but then if you, if you make a mistake, the compiler will tell you you are wrong. And again, we, are, we have been used by the C compilers for, for 50 years now that accept that you do crazy stuff with null pointers and, 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 and buffer overflow and so on. And we have not questioned that stuff. And it, and it brings a lot of problems. And so we are used, and that has, that has had an influence, for instance, in Python. The fact that we very often use the same variable to put a string or none, an integer or none, this is an extremely bad practice. We all do it because it's easy, but it's an extremely bad practice because we do, we are sure this moment, once you start to multiplex the values like this in a, in a variable, in variable, it's certain that there will be a moment where you will forget to test if it's non order of the integer, if it's non order string. And that none will be handled a bit late, a bit further. And then you get this famous, is it name error? Yes, it's name error or whatever in, in Python, because that was meant to be an integer and not a none. Okay. So, if you have a language that avoids you to do this, like you have in Rust. So in Rust, if you want to do this type of thing to multiplex it, you define that in a type, you have to define a type. And as long as the variable is of that type, the compiler won't let you do thing without you treating the two cases. Why is that good? It's good in two for two reasons. First, you won't have that bug I just mentioned. But better than that, because you don't want to, to have to manage those two use cases each time, you will separate them as soon as you can, which is usually what you should do. I mean, you have none or an integer because the user did, you wanted to use a default value. And so the, and so you would, the, the user provide you none. And then, okay, so as soon as you can, you should just turn that into just an integer and not an integer or none. But you don't do it. Actually, I should, should not say you. I don't do it because I've been used to Python and multiplexing and so on. And even though my brain now I should do better and I should know better, I'm not doing it. But isn't, this a, isn't this a quality of, of all loosely typed languages that you can, you can get into trouble, but at the same time, it makes it easier for you to start writing your code without having to stop and, all right, what are all the 10 different ways that I'm going to use this? I, I understand the, the trade-offs, but but there's a reason why these loosely typed languages exist. It's because they appeal in some aspect. I see why. I exactly see why. And I see, I, and I totally remember how important I felt the first time I used Python, which was a crazy feeling. Nevertheless, if we think of collaboration, and so if, we, if you think of building from scratch, Obviously, you want that freedom that you have in Python. Great. But if you need to collaborate with good code where you want to add a feature or fix a bug or whatever, it's not at all the same, just the same story, actually. Mm -hmm. And in the case, and in the case of fixing a feature in code that was built in the reckless way with Python, you <laughs> feel your pain 
really, really, really a lot. Because you have to understand that much code and you, I mean, I was so afraid that the first time I, when I was con 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 contributing to Zoom, because at, at the beginning Zoom was not that well covered. And I almost always had the feeling I was introducing bugs because I did not understand the full code base, which is almost what you need to, to do once you don't have those nice contracts that are separating stuff. Sure, you never know who is doing something else to the code you think you are changing, but actually it's being monkeypad by someone. Someone is, <laughs> is, I mean, I, you can just check. I made yesterday a PR for a new bug in Prone 6.0 that came out in 6.07. And I think it's a very good example. This is a place where, yes, it's good. I can, I can use the Python way of being able to, from anywhere, fiddle in any place. So it makes for an easy fix, but it's a very nasty fix in the sense that I have to change the value of a constant which is declared in CMF core. Whoa, whoa. So the, the PR is in drafts because maybe someone will come up with a better way of getting to the same results. But so, 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 but, but it's still a wrong way of doing it because the, per the people in CMF core, they will now need to know that someone else could have the crazy idea to change the value there. No, and obviously they won't do that. It's not, it's not their responsibility. It's normal. Mm -hmm. so, so back to what I was trying to say to, uh, to Rust, what, what's impressive to me, if you check the story of Rust, so the guy made a, published this something like one, one year ago, and in one year, he has... I think it's more than 100 contributors. They have been like 250 rules or 500 rules. I forgot, but it's a crazy number of things that have been built. And that speed of collaboration, I want to see it in all the tools I'm using. Because when they, they came up with Ruff in the beginning, it was only a linter. It's now, one year after, it's now replacing Black as well. So it's also a formatter with the same code base without touching anything and so on. And you can't do that with other languages. I will express, I mean, I think the statically typed aspect, but, but to make it very clear, what I mean by statically typed is not Java. Java is not statically typed, well, it is, but it's lacking a lot of types. And so, and definitely you can't express what I just said in Java. This is an integer or nothing. That's, that's not part of most of the static, statically typed languages we have been used to, which I use, which I used to despise a lot. Among other reasons, because what you see in Java is people are, are, are giving types and then as soon as they can, they are typing, don't casting as they say. So they're saying, oh no, no, this is not this type. This is just a pointer. So that they can do anything they want. They can pass it from one place to the other place. They don't need to think about that and so on. But because the compiler is not serving you, I totally understand why they do it. But then I don't want any type at all. I'm much better in Python. But if you have types, like you have in static, static, uh, fully typed languages, some, in some cases they call it algebraic types, where you have not only sums but also products, Right, sums it's in a script where you can add various members, but you also want to say one or the other. And, and you, you need a type system that may, may let you 
say one or the other. You absolutely want that. Once you have that, it means that in most places you can describe the states of your of your of your uh, of your software, and you can avoid all the forbidden states because you just don't put them into the typing system. And so you have language like Elm, you have you have um, Haskell, you have Rust, and so on that 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 have this fully typed stuff. And you realize that in that case, because they have, because as a programmer, you give much more information to it by typing, the compiler can reason about the code in a much finer way. And and if the people that have built the compiler understand that they want to support you, the developer, which is not always the case, but in the case of first it is, they are doing nice mess error messages that actually help you solve the problem, not a cryptic Error one two seven eight four, like you still get in Windows, right? You get information to 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 move you forward. And if you check the tools that they have been building, and by the way, I'm changing my utilities. I don't know if you are you using RG instead of Grep, for instance. No, not yet. So RG is the Grep version being that has been rebuilt in Rust. It it was in the beginning. It was we rip grep, so the tongue in cheek, or request. Rest, oh, yeah, rest in peace, yes. Rest in peace, grep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they do things that are seem silly, but very, that you could build yourself. Like they are never checking your, well, if you, if you search from your, the root of your repo, they don't search your .git repo, and you don't have to set it up yourself, which means that it's like, 1,000 times quicker, for instance. The other thing is because Rust have all those good contracts, if it's not quick enough, someone will come in with very good IT knowledge, good algorithmic stuff, and they will just make it quicker. And so there are a lot of tools like this that we've been using forever, like Find. This crazy, I guess you use Find. I'm still not able to type a Find command properly. I still don't get that UI. <laughs> they have built something called FD, which is FD, the file, the name of the file. Whoa, (laughs) mind-blowing idea, right? But again, if you do that, by default, they do like grip, grab, they don't search in your .git. If you want to search in your .git, you you have an option to do it. And and so what I'm trying to say here is that it's the first community that I see that's able to replace those old... Mm -hmm very important utilities by not breaking your 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 work process. So I had to adapt a bit from grep to grep, but I'm not going back. And it was very quick, right? And so you have a lot of tools like this, and I'm still looking for language that was able to do the same. Another language that was able to 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 change those those uh, and so that's why I got interested to understand to try to make a mental model which might be totally wrong because it's only my mental model of why they are able to do that and so again check it regret and see how many contributors that guy has had and so you need some qualities of the infrastructure so that a new Contributor can contribute something useful pretty soon. Trying to do that in Plone. 
That's a big code base, though. It's I think it's different from a yeah, utility. Not only that, not only no, it's a big code base, but it's also a big code base to do a formatter and uh, I mean doing a formatter and and that many rules and so on. It's also a big code base. The point of clone is that because of this uh, typing stuff. We have those loose objects that move all over the place, and it's very tough for someone to, to find where, it's, where it comes from. So you, you need this ability to read the clone code base as a, as a preamble, like, let's say, right? There's nothing to guide you inside there. It's very, very, very tough. I enjoy it a lot. I'm, I'm happy inside there. I mean, I have no problem. I'm just trying to, to, to make sense so that we avoid making the same mistake for the next generation. How can we improve so that the young guy that's 15 years old, like I was in 82, and that's learning to code, is not learning the bad practice like I learned in basic? Because there's not that much difference between basic and Python in that sense. It's the same type of problems where 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 you're not, where where you're not guided to learn. If you want to do crazy bad shit, you can. You really can. And I see a lot of crazy bad Python code. In Plone or elsewhere? No, no, no. Well, in some places in Plone, by the way, in mm-hmm. some places in Plone, because for the reason I said, people people who have not been mentored properly. The, the, the last thing, I, and I won't tell where, where I saw it, but the last thing, that's the PR I still need to write. I found a place in Plume where you have this class that have has something like 12 or 15 methods. And if you check inside the code of those 15 methods, self is used nowhere. except to call another method of the same class. So that's an example. Someone has been taught to do class. Someone has not been taught. And it was my case. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to point at someone and I want, I don't even remember where it is. It will take me some time to find that place again. But what I want to point out is the fact that he's coming from the class mental model. This is obviously a set of functions because self is not being used for something else than functions. And that's for me, bad code in Plone because that should be function among other reason because it's so much easier to test functions than classes, mm-hmm. right? But again, if you are alone, if someone is not hand-holding your, you in the beginning, if you are in the Plone code base, you see classes everywhere. So why would you, what would you not build a class? Right, so I can really see why that person, whoever it is, and I don't know who it is. I did not blame that that thing. I have no idea who it is. I totally see why that person did that and why I would have done the same like fifteen years ago without. But I think a tool should avoid you this type of thing. So I would like a LinkedIn tool that says that goes over that class and say, "Why is this a class?" Mm-hmm. Right. Why is it? I mean, you are, you, you are not using self. I mean, there's no member inside there here. So why is that a class? And in my, and, and to go one step further, functions are much better than classes when you can. It's not always possible, but when, when you can, it's perfect because there's no state. And like, and we are back to what we were saying before, state is something where you always get bitten out at the moment or not. So you're going to start, we're going to start using Rust then? 
I'm, I'm, I'm studying more and more Rust because I think, I think, as you might know, Rust is now being, uh, has been invited in the Linux kernel. Yeah. And maybe you really saw that. Yeah. So, so, so I think we are changing generation. It will take some time because you can't replace the millions of lines of the kernel in, in one go, but it's, uh, go. it's for me. Uh, what do you say? You said in one go. Yeah. <laughs> you that definitely can't use Go for this. <laughs> That's very obvious. That's very obvious. But what, what I what I wanted to say when I started object oriented code in back in the in the in the nineties, I would speak with old monkeys and they would say, Well, if you are very disciplined, you can do object oriented style in C, you don't need C. Or and it was totally true. It's totally true. The only problem is the beginning of the sentence, which says, if you are disciplined. Mm -hmm. Because we all know that there will be that moment where you are sick, where you are under pressure, where you are stressed, or when there's an urgency, whatever, and the discipline will go through the window and you start. Then you start all those back, back, back practices. And it's for me the same with Python in a way that, okay, you should not do when I said mixed an integer and a, and, and a none, but you do it anyway. And there's nothing avoiding you to do it. So there's no chance for you to learn it uh, until you have been beaten so many times that eventually you realize it was not a good idea. To do. And, and, and so, so, so that's why I'm looking for, for, for tools that, that teach you by themselves, that avoid you the bad practices as, as, as much as possible. I think that that's how we will improve the, 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 the IT in general and collaboration among people at the same time. Because so there's a set of framework that just avoids the issues that we know about and guides people. I don't know if it's the framework. It's, I mean. Or like the, a structure. There's another example I, I like to give. In the beginning, if you see a Python traceback, it makes no sense. It's very hard to read. The first time you see, uh, someone sees a Python trace back, it's really awful. What most of us don't realize, because we never think about it, is that we see them again and again and again and again and again and again, and our brain starts to learn the topology of a, of a trace back. And our, our eyes start to learn where they should look first. Why am I saying that? It's because I've not heard until now of languages that would think of the topology of the code to make it easier to read. You see what I mean? That's what Python did by doing the indentation, by the way. I don't think he was, the idea was, the, let's work on the topology of my code in my editor, but that's one of the good aspects of, of, uh, of Python. And that's one, and another topology that we have agreed upon in the, in the Python community is one line between, between, um, mm -hmm. methods. between methods and two lines between functions, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, but I'm sure eventually someone will come up with a language where, where there will be more insistence on topology so that reading that code, it's much easier. And the obvious thing that will come with it is a tool that helps you set up that topology so that you don't need to, to, 
because yeah, if we had to type all those spaces, it would be annoying. I'm very happy to have a tab into my editor that do those four spaces, right? But uh, if we have the proper tool, we are actually helping the guy that I was speaking about before that was learning poetry. It's easier to read good poetry in well uh, when the fonts have been chosen properly, has been printed on, on nice paper, rather than on, I don't know what, on old, uh, old, on old furniture, whatever. I mean, <laughs> it helps to have to, to be. And so, and so what I'm trying to say here is that there are still a lot of places where we can improve really the, 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 the common infrastructure. And, and we are still very far from that, very, very far from that, because like I said, we are used to pick, stopping to work from one time to the other, to build out, stopping to work, and, and we, we work around, and it's fine, we forget how many, how much time we lose with that, how it forces us to switch context. And in the same way, I'm, 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 I'm so, again, uh, surprised by how many people scroll their code Instead of using search, they scroll to find. And I'm like, what are you doing? Well, there's some reason, I guess, the, the, the economy of their, of their, of their tool is not good enough that they think about using the search. I mean, the economy of search in Vim is so, so good. So good. So obviously, if I need to find code, I'm searching. I'm, I'm not scrolling anymore. That, that's that. And I guess you do the same, right? Even if you don't I use do, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I'm an Emacs person, but I've been using PyCharm. You're using what? Uh, PyCharm currently, but I was Emacs before. Oh, PyCharm. How is the search in PyCharm? It's pretty good. I mean, you can go to bind, you can search for any any symbol. Uh, if you know what kind of symbol it is, it's even faster. And, and so, so, so I, what, what I was trying to say is that we don't have that much self-awareness about how we work because we are not being told, told about that. Uh, as, as, uh, as children, you're never being explained to think about your, your own thinking process and to try hard to see how your brain is processing stuff. And so I think we're still very far from making those tools really usable. Which is good because then we keep our jobs. <laughs> okay, Godfrey. Wow, thank you I'm very much. Too much. No, that's great. I mean, uh, very deep, deep thinking, and if it feels it feels wonderful to to hear your ideas when you've been thinking about them for so long and you've got so much experience. So I hope that I will get the. It will get the. the What's it? Eagerness? Did you say that? Your eagerness to do the same to the young people of the Plone community and that they will find their, their own playground if, if it's not Plone by itself, but a place where, where they can actually feel themselves growing. And hopefully it'll, it'll be something, if it's, like you say, if it's not Plone, it'll be a, a community or a code base that has been thought through and well-written and welcoming at the same time? Very nice. They need to be nice. That, that was, I mean, that's such an important aspect of that one community. I would be happy or interested to hear if there were a lot of people that came out of 
or events with bad experience. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Have you hopefully, heard that? Hopefully not. I mean, it'd be, I'm, I'm trying to think how we would find out. <laughs> if, yeah, that's, if that's the best part of it. Have, yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. Well, I, I, if I think back to this most recent sprint, I know there were some newcomers at that sprint, and I think they came away with a good impression. And uh, and they're still doing, they're still involved, and they're still doing plone. So I think that's a, a very good sign. Yeah, no, no, I think I think how how, how many people did show up at the sprint in? Uh... Uh, by my count, about forty-seven. That's quite a bit. So that was. Uh, Martin told me that it was 150 people at the conference. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's so including. Um, yeah. That I, that number included a lot of local people, so they're probably less likely to have come to the sprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good turnout. No, I think it's good. I think it's good. Do you know when when the, when's the next sprint so that you can advertise it? The next sprint, well, we have Plone Tune-Up Days, the third Friday of every month. So that would, actually, that's today. So uh, there's a whole bunch of people in the Discord who are working on different things. Uh, but the next big sprint probably will be, is it Beethoven? I think Beethoven. Beethoven somewhere in, in, in May or, or something like this. Yeah, but... You know, we, we have been talking about trying to encourage smaller sprints. They don't have to be very involved. So, um, well, actually, Belgian, Belgian planistas could be holding their own sprints, and it doesn't have to be a whole lot of people, and it doesn't have to be difficult to organize. Sure. Sure. But there's going to be a U.S. sprint this year. That's what we've been saying at the, at the conference in ABAR. We were saying, oh, we're going we're gonna to organize something in the U.S. Good. And and. To, to ask one question because I have a chance now. Do you know, would you be able to, to tell what percentage of that plum community is still using build out? Is it, is it still, does it still make sense to try to, to fix it and to make it work? Or it's, or, uh, MXDev and PIP has solved all your problems and you don't need build out anymore. I don't know if, if, well, I'm probably not the best person to say anything about that, but I know that the later instructions that are in the Plone training, for example, and some of the deployment training haven't been using build out. They've been trying to build, they've been using PIP and there is, mm, there is activity with MX dev. Yeah. But I'm not the best person to, to tell you. So anyway, if some people want to work with me on build out, this is, this is uh, a call for help because I'm happy to do it. I've been, I, I did, I did some of the work, but working alone, that I won't do again. So if we find a team of one or two people that, that feel like making it survive, I'll be very happy to, to hear from them. There you go. There's the spirit of not working on your own. I remember seeing your, your build out. Uh, you released version three. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you, Godfrey. Thank it's you, Kim. Been a real pleasure. Um, and we'll do it again. I did what I always do, which we just speak too much. No, perfect. This is what I want. I mean, I want to hear your stories. I want to hear what you're thinking. This, great. Uh, well, you, 
This is perfect. So we'll do so, it again. We'll get more stories out of you because I had a whole list of like, okay, you got to tell me your craziest clone stories. And now you can tell me your craziest Zope stories, but for another time. Yep. Thank good, you. Good point. Thank you for inviting me and have a good end of day.